we're all from the same source that uh, at one point in our lives we have all been innocent children and there's so much good in us and we should empower one another we should be there for one another help each other reach our goals and I think if we can do it this way the world will be a better place welcome to leaders labyrinth I am your host Michael Grant we take you on a journey with resilient individuals who share how they have achieved the extraordinary. This show is designed to empower you to take the lead in your life's quest through the wisdom of our leaders, inflicting truth, possibility, and fueling your hearts with passion of what sets your souls on fire to becoming your best version of self. Nelson Mandela, the first president of South Africa, activist and Nobel Peace Prize winner once said, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Today's leader in our labyrinth is a doctor of education. She is the founder of the global nonprofit, One Education, One World. Her organization helps build schools for children in the most rural parts of the planet, for families living in extreme poverty without access to education. It is my great honor to introduce to you, Dr. Goli. Andy Sheju. We are here in the labyrinth with Dr. Nogal, Andy Sheju. It's fantastic to have you here in the labyrinth with us. How are you doing today? Thank you, Michael. I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure. I'm very excited to learn more about your journey and pull back the layers of what that looks like. Um, you and I have been friends for about two years and in that journey, we've helped each other do some pretty, uh, incredible things. We've, uh, done fundraising events. We've done uh, public speaking sessions. Uh, we've traveled to different parts of the world, helping children that are in need of education and helping them build schools. And for me, you're a great inspiration to me and you're a great inspiration to the people in your life, the people that have known you, gotten the chance to work with you along this journey. So, so thank you. Um, so you're a doctor of education Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're, you're an educator by trade and you, you teach, uh, high school, um, AP courses. One of the classes that I teach is AP, correct. And on top of that, you built an amazing, uh, global nonprofit organization. And why don't you just begin by telling us a little bit about this this wonderful organization sure uh thank you michael for the for the introduction that was very sweet of you and uh it's been a pleasure knowing you all these years and you've been one of the most committed members actually of this organization um one education one world is a nonprofit 501c3 that's registered in los angeles and we definitely do global work we reach out to children in dire conditions uh, in communities that are underprivileged and we help provide quality education for them uh, hoping that uh, we would create a ripple effect in their communities and uh, hopefully in their futures. So you've been able to do some pretty ambitious projects with OEOW, uh, One Education, One World. So what was the journey like that inspired you to create OEOW and what does the name of the organization represent? Oh boy, this is a long conversation. 
You know, uh, Michael, I've been an educator for about, uh, officially for about seven, eight years. And before that, I've done um, unofficial endeavors in, in the world of education, working with children uh, from all kinds of backgrounds, from all walks of life. And I, after I finished my studies, my master's, I really wanted to work with children who really needed that support system or a role model or someone to count on. My heart has always been with them, especially because I feel when I, when I came to the States, the whole education system completely failed me. Uh, my journey in middle school and then high school uh, it hasn't been easy for me. So I thought if one day I could make things easier for kids, especially those uh, that need that extra time with their teachers, need uh, the, those words of affirmation and encouragement. So um, I became a teacher. I became an educator. And these children have very broke, they come from very broken backgrounds. And um, over the years, I started to learn their stories and started to really understand their journeys. And um, I could sympathize with them. Um, and that kind of allowed me to pursue my education even more and um, travel to places that I thought uh, the education system or the whole culture might be different. And um, as I did this, I came across children that were even more broken. Um, and I thought, how unfair could life be for these kids? And that's when I thought, well, I have all the resources here. I have all the connections that I need. Why not create something um, beautiful out of this? Um, an organization that could help them um, live better lives, just like the kids um, in affluent areas. It's pretty amazing because um, for you think about how many people travel the world and are exposed to these situations, these cultures, or just these impoverished communities, and you know they probably refrain from it and they don't really think like, oh what can I do to make this part of the world better? Or mm. what can I do to give these, because they're human beings at the end of the day, regardless of race, belief system, uh, ethnicity, I mean, uh, a geographical location. It's like, you know, everyone, you know, can have potential if they're just given, you know, the right tools. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you got the idea from your travels and you, so what is the process like, like implementing the idea, like getting the, the concept for this nonprofit? Like where, where did you take your first steps from there? <laughs> I, was, I was completely clueless. I, uh, the, my very first travel was to India, just, uh, just a random location. I thought, well, that looked different enough. Let me go there. And I was faced with so many extremes there, so many contradictions, and I saw children from really good schools, and then I saw children who would walk distances for even their water or basic supplies barefoot. Um, and, you know, while I was in India, I was on a volunteering endeavor, and every day they gave me a different project. One day I would be at an, at an orphanage, another day I would be um, at, a, at a school that was barely a school. You know, another day I'd be, uh, you know, empowering women. Just, I, it was a well-rounded volunteering experience, but then I thought, okay, well, you know, 
now it's my opportunity, my chance to start something. I want to start an organization to help them out. But then I didn't even know what that meant. To be honest, I didn't know what I was thinking. I just knew something had to be done because I felt so useless over there knowing that, okay, well, I'm spending a few hours with these kids, but what am I really doing? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So then I thought I'm going to just uh, pick a name. One education, one world. I wish there was an education deserving of these kids. And maybe that would help us uh, bring the world closer together. One education, one world. So that was the idea. Uh, but the journey was long, right? The journey was really, but... Um, it's a beautiful name because, because it, it kind of, it's all inclusive. It's mm-hmm. like very welcoming. It's universal. Um, it it kind of gives it that kind of global... Um, presence. Right. It resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And now in that process, you've put together um, a curriculum, right? Some kind of learning curriculum that you guys um, put in a book or what, what does that look right, like? Right. Right. So uh, based on my research, I found out holistic education will be the uh, most appropriate uh, for this day and age, especially for these kids, because um you know, in, in third world countries, developing countries, when you're going to school, education can look a lot like uh, just unidimensional, just one way or the highway, you know? And I thought, well, a holistic education can create happier kids, can create kids who can think, who, don't, who are not afraid to take action. And that kind of looks like um, a curriculum that would foster their psychological well-being it would foster their their social well-being it would allow them to give back to the community so it wasn't just learning the math the science or the literacy it was a little bit beyond that i love that so much um I mean, look, I got through another day not using algebra, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us did, <laughs> but, but none of us were taught how to be human and none of us, like, you know, we learn literature, right. we learn skills, writing, comprehension, but we never learn how to understand what we are and who right. we are and how to utilize our minds mm-hmm. the right way. Um, and yes, growing up in Los Angeles in, uh, the Western United States, our education system has been very redundant. It's been very, um, uh, there's not a lot of value in it for me for the life that I've lived um, in terms of how I've applied what I learned in my adult life. Mm. But as a human being, you know, you're kind of wired to kind of figure things out as you spend time on them. And as you know, that grows, they become a part of who you are. Um, But yeah, I think everybody in today's world really understands that there has to be a shift. There has to be someone that's saying this isn't working. Uh, Mm. It maybe it worked when it was, uh, you know, the beginning of the United States, when we had very, uh, you know, it was like the, the industrial industry, you know, people were, uh, you know, in classrooms and like kind of had more of an employee mindset, but not really a mindset to think for themselves. Yeah, that's right. And right now, when you look at the gatekeepers, um, the whole curriculum, the educational system is designed to get you to that level, to get you to go to a good university, but at the expense of uh, the psychological well-being of children, they're uh, there's um, rates of depression that you see more with with teenagers, especially. You have kids who are anxious because they have so much homework. We're teaching to the test, 
right? We're teaching to these exams, standardized exams, and we're measuring kids based on just uh, a bunch of questions that's just not fair. We're, we're being taught how to be great test takers, I feel like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And unfortunately, me as an educator, I, I, I have to abide by these rules, right? I have to teach. Right. At the end of the day, I have to make sure that when I'm teaching biology, I'm hitting those standards. Yeah. But then I I try to take it one step beyond that and, you know, have that connection with my kids so they can count on me and I can befriend them. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to ask you this, too. uh, It kind of leads into this question is, is there some kind of technique or methodology that you use to connect with adolescents, children, teenagers, um, or do you just kind of be yourself? Like what's the best way to <laughs> kind of like break that barrier? I think with this age group, you have to be authentic. Sure. Right. They, they sense that they see it and I engage in a lot of meaningful conversations. So in class, there's been times when I just take time out of my lessons to just see how they're doing. Or if, if I see a kid who, is a little bit um, distant or who's not um, there completely for the rest for the lesson, I might pull them aside and I just might say, hey, how are you doing today? So meaningful conversations just to figure out what's going on with them, just, just so that they know someone cares. Letting them know that you care sounds like the, uh, the theme I'm hearing here, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so if we can put a pause on, on this part of your life and take your story back to Uh-oh. when you were a little girl <laughs> <laughs> a little girl and did you always have a passion for education and for helping people and what was your favorite subject when you were growing up oh that's a really good question it's three questions in one <laughs> <laughs> uh well there was a point in my life where where you know we there was that huge transition because we came from iran uh we moved to the states first we went to austria and then we came here and um, before that, I was this, to be honest, I was this popular kid in school in my elementary. And I, you know, I loved school. I, I, I got everything and I liked every subject, really. I, I loved my science classes. I loved my math classes. And so you always liked being challenged intellectually or like yeah. academically. Yeah, and I was yeah. challenged. Um, mm-hmm. I think the level of the, the, the curriculum was challenging enough um, to keep my interest and keep me engaged. But then we came to the States, and right. there was a time when I missed uh, maybe six months of school because of that transition time. But then when I came here, first of all, I had no friends. And I came from a school where everybody was my friend. I came here and I had no friends and I didn't know the language. I didn't know any English. I didn't even know the alphabet. And this was uh, when I was 11, 12. And they wanted to put me in sixth grade. Um, But then I was a good match for seventh grade. And then so I I asked them, no, no, no. The level of math is really low here. I'd like to go to eighth grade. So I pushed for it and they put me in eighth grade. Um, but then it was a very miserable time, Michael. I, I just remember feeling lonely. I felt like I didn't belong. It was a huge culture shock. And that first year, I really struggled. And, you know, I didn't know who to turn to. My parents didn't speak English. My sisters barely spoke some English. Um, 
And so I just remember a lot of days I, I was very emotional. I, I, I cried a lot. And then I just made a decision. I thought, Nogal, you're going to have to get over this. You're going to have to master this language because that's the only way you're going to make it in this country. And that was when I, I thought about this when I was 12. So um, I took it upon myself to really take time to watch shows and really, you know, dive into books and really just try really hard to. That's that's so awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I can imagine or I don't know what it's like to come to a whole other country, start a whole new life, adopt to new customs and languages and culture where you don't know anybody. There's no support system. Mm. Um, did you end up making friends after you learned English or? I remember, <laughs> but let me tell you this, my first friend, she was, uh, I think she was Chinese. She also didn't speak English and I, we would communicate with hand gestures. Whoa, that's cool. I, well, at the time it was, and now I think back and I, I laugh about it. I'm like, that was cute. But, then, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, that's the part that was really hard for me. And then. After I learned some English, my first friend, we're still friends to this day, she was Armenian and she spoke uh, same level. And then mm -hmm. slowly over the years, I learned more English and I became more confident. And yeah, of course, I made friends. <laughs> I like okay. making friends anyway. <laughs> what, what shows did you watch to learn English? Friends. Okay. And okay. Oh, when I was Popular a kid, one. no, no, no. When I was a kid, I watched... Um, Pokemon, no, no, not Pokemon. Uh, what was that? Jackie Chan. There was a the cartoon. Jackie Chan cartoon. Yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, I yeah, loved no, it. <laughs> <laughs> so you learned how to fight and how to uh, speak English. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Except Jackie I Chan. just didn't fight. I just uh, spoke the language. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a foreigner too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you know. But yeah. I learned from Jane, the little girl. Okay, in I the, actually never the saw the show, but. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I loved cartoons. I loved watching Saturday yeah, morning cartoons and they're not around anymore. And they're I kind not. of feel really bad for the no, kids today because they don't have that part of their culture. I yeah. don't know what they do on Saturday mornings now. Yeah. Um, well, that's a beautiful story. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. Um, so what does a, a typical day look like for you being an educator and living this kind of entrepreneurial <laughs> style life? running this global nonprofit like what does a typical day look like i think well i don't think i'm going to tell you um okay there's a lot of discipline in in my life or i kind of force myself to have that discipline if you want to succeed in something you have to make sure make sure every area of your life you experience growth in it so for example i wake up in the morning I get my workout out of the way. I try to eat healthy. Um, I go to school. I'm in work, and I, you know, take care of whatever I have to do at work. I come home. Um, I work out a little bit more, and then I attend to whatever OEOW has in store for me. If I have to meet with the team online, um, sometimes I watch shows too because I think. Yeah, you have to take time out of your day just to relax and decompress. I, I my favorite show right now is Frasier. I watch Frasier. It is the best show. <laughs> it's 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 you know from the 1990s. Uh, and if you've never seen Frasier, right. which most people have, it is the most funniest, hilarious <laughs> show. Um, I'm just I love Niles. He's just such yeah. a character. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great show. So I watch that, 
And, um, you know, I like reading books. Okay. Um, I, I try to do a few pages a night. Um, and, of course, I have my friends and family, so I, I make f- time for them as well. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I think the key word you said there is discipline. Discipline, yeah. And understanding what that really means. Like, mm-hmm. it's commitment. It's, um, it's making sacrifices. Mm-hmm. It's knowing what you want and then putting in the work to get there every single day. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I feel like in my journey, motivation's great. It's a good starter, but it's not there when I need it all the time to wake up, you know, at five 30 and go work out and then go, you know, have business calls and emails and, um, and then work on passion projects on the side. You're not going to always like, do you always feel like doing this stuff? Or? No, I really don't. Right, like there right. are days where I feel like, Oh, I just want to stay in bed and just eat <laughs> yes. my hot cocoa and just watch a Disney movie or something. I love Disney movies, by me the way. too. Big fan of Disney. Love <laughs> yeah? Disney. Which one? Um, I love all the stuff that Walt Disney did, um, no. in his time. I'm a big fan of Walt Disney. If I could meet one person, it'd be him. Uh, he's inspired me just as a human being mm. for what he's accomplished in his life. Um, but I, I guess, you know, top of my head, Pinocchio is an amazing f- film. Uh, Peter <laughs> Pan, memories, yeah. uh, Snow White, <laughs> the first feature length uh, animation cartoon that broke barriers for entertainment um, and really took Disney to a new level. Um, so, yeah, no, yeah. definitely a big fan. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> What's yeah. your favorite Disney movie? Um, when I was when I was a little kid, I loved uh, Sleeping Beauty. I think I might mm. have watched it maybe at least hundred times. I have the whole thing memorized. Yeah, uh, the, her, the dad is so funny. The king, he's hilarious. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> Very erratic, and there's like the one that's like arguing with him, and like well, her dad like wants to do right, but like the the other guy is like trying to get him to go to war or something like that. It's uh. Are we talking about Cinderella, no, Michael? No, Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't remember that part. It's been so long since I watched it again. Yeah, I probably <laughs> am not remembering it correctly. Yeah, I, I'm not either. <laughs> and at some point, I had the whole thing memorized. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Wow. When wow. you watch it for a hundred times, I think that's what happens. Do you secretly want to be a Disney princess? Secretly. Secretly. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Sleeping Beauty? Um, if I had to pick a princess, yeah, if you had to pick one, um, no, I'd be Rapunzel. Okay, cool. Yeah, lots of hair <laughs> with the hair. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or Princess Jasmine. Have you Have you been to uh, uh, Disney World? Where is that? Is that in um, in uh, Florida? Oh no, no, I haven't been there. I've oh, been to Disneyland. Okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. God, I just like to ask people because I like Disneyland better. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, during um, during your tenure as a founder of OEOW, um, your team has launched multiple school projects. Uh, let's say there's a passionate person listening to this show today, and they want to make a positive change in the world, and they don't like they've never done this before, anything like this. Where do you think would be a good place for that person to start today? Uh, I think. A lot of times what stops people is their fear. And I think first you have to uh, conquer your fear, uh, whatever that may be, and overcome it or just jump into it. Um, And then just begin with that first step. I know it sounds cliche, but literally it's that first step that you have to take. 
whatever it is you want to do in your life, whether it's working out, whether it's eating better, you know, whether it's you want to read a book, you just start with that first page. And then you go to the second page and you keep going. And then before you know it, you've finished the whole book. And with the organization, even though I didn't know how to do this or where to start, Google, I Googled it. Like, oh, how do you start an organization? <laughs> how to start a 501c3? Yeah. Oh, and it's a, it's a board. It needs this. It needs that. Okay, little by little. So it sounds like you just took the first step. I just took the just first step. Just Googling, doing yeah. research, figuring out what you need to do, get the certifications. Right. And, and make sure you're passionate about it. Because mm-hmm. if passion doesn't back up your action, uh, at some point, I think you might quit. Right, because... Like any journey you take in life, whether it's career, whether it's a passion project outside of your career, if um, if you're not emotionally and um, I guess passionately invested in it, um, you're not going to want to do all the work that needs to be done. That's right. Basically. Yep. You've done so much. Like you've done this. You've created this amazing organization. You became a doctor in education. You're working on your principalship. Am I saying that right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Am I making up words? <laughs> I think you are. I think you have a new uh, word. You're, you're trying. You're, you're going to test, or you already tested, right? For your to no, become a principal. Um, um, I'm going to test soon. Okay. Yeah, and I hope I pass it because the first test you have like a sixty percent passing rate, and then the second test I think it's like twenty percent. Okay. Well, you're going to pass. I hope so. We yeah. all know it. <laughs> um, so who who has been? a big influence on you has there anybody you've looked up to over the years or maybe different types of people that you wanted to aspire to be like or that have uh, motivated you to to keep going this is going to sound a little funny um quotes quotes who do you who do you like whose quotes do you like the most random uh, just random quotes resonate with me and i just remember them a lot um quotes from Rumi, from entrepreneurs just i love quotes and um it's just one or two lines but they're so powerful and i have a collection of quotes i i save them and i review them and i remind myself this is how it's supposed to be uh but as far as people are concerned um there was never a particular just person in my life that i thought i want to follow their step I think I just really owe it to my family for for the upbringing that I've had because it was always instilled in me that giving back to the community is so important, you know, and thanks to my parents, my sisters, just my background, um, I always thought this was important, but to follow one person, no. That's amazing. That's pretty incredible. And you're very humble. You, you don't take a lot of credit for the work you do and you deserve more credit. Um, so I want to ask you this. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, no, I, but by the way, before we get on another topic, I love quotes too. Um, they, they spark a fire in, in my soul and, uh, yeah, Rumi, definitely a great, mm. um, you know, one of the, the world's most popular poet and he was, uh, Persian. Persian. Yeah, yep. he was Persian. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. uh, the ancient Roman emperor and Stoic philosopher. Uh, and this ancient wisdom is still so applicable today to everyday life in this different world that we're living. It's just so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely relate with that as well. Um, so if I asked you this, what does the word leadership 
mean to you? A source of inspiration. I think um, leadership is someone who instills hope and motivation and inspires you to become a better version of yourself. That's how I think of a leader. And I'm, I'm learning a lot because with the organization, I naturally I have to be a leader as well, but I've had so many challenges. I've lost a lot of people because of my lack of leadership. And the more I learn, the more I realize my job is to give people a nudge into the right direction and just tell them that they can empower them. That's what true leadership to me is. Beautiful. <laughs> When earning the trust of people, uh, whether it's in uh, an educational environment or just in life, um, what does that process involve for you? Involving them in making big decisions. That's how you earn their trust, I think. Um, as a leader, you mean? Or just in general? Just as, as Dr. Anishiju. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends because in every area, uh, it might look a little bit different. But in leadership, I mm -hmm. think you have to involve everybody in the mm -hmm. process because without those everybody, you wouldn't have an organization. You wouldn't have a company. So when you look at companies that are just top down, uh, normally employees are not very happy or the, the volunteers are not very happy because one person just makes decisions for everybody and says, okay, now go do it. But then when you involve them in the process, um, they have a buy-in. They have, uh, they feel like they're at home. You know, they feel like a part of it. That's like beautiful. their family. Absolutely. Like they're contributing. They're contributing. To the mission. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's a nonprofit or a, a profitable company or um, some type of project, mm -hmm. uh, some passion project, like making a film. Exactly. Yeah. Anything. Anything really. So, so true. Um, uh, Simon Sinek. Uh, a famous uh, speaker, and he's the uh, CEO of a company, I forget the name, but uh, he says that, um, you know, there's a skill set to be adopted that where you, it, to not say anything until everyone has a chance in the meeting or in the group to have spoken, and why? Because then everybody feels like they had a chance to contribute, and once they feel like they have a chance to contribute, they feel like they're a part of that moment with you, right? And they're invested in it. Very well said, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so if you were to categorize three core principles that help you navigate decisions, uh, whether it's in your career or just in life, um, what are those principles, if, if you have any? Okay, Michael, help me out here. So give me some examples, like uh, for you. Give me one of your principles. One of my principles is, does it expand me? What does that mean? Expand me means, does it challenge my mind? Does it challenge my energy, my spirit? Do I think I'm going to become uh, transformed by this experience? Is it going hmm. to um, uh, make me feel something new, something different, um, like playing hockey, right? Like I always want to try to you know, get, become a better player. I'm, I love playing hockey. I've been playing for 17 years. But I always try to like step up my game and try to do something more and not get too comfortable. I just went skydiving in Dubai and I'm scared of heights. Um, mm. And I had to really mentally talk myself through the, those steps, jumping out of a plane at 13,000 feet. <laughs> I see, okay, yeah. okay. Well, um, I would say f the first principle that governs my actions and my life, I think it's just my value system. 
So as long as everything that I do is aligned with it, um, and it's ethically aligned with with it, then um, I know at the end of the day I can rest easily without any re- regret, right? So if it's in, a, in alignment with your core values, right? Um, okay. With my core values, and then do you feel uh, when things are out of alignment? Like if you're in a place, I don't have a good gut feeling about it. If it's you can out sense of alignment, that I can sense that right away. Like if yeah. you're in an environment, like right. For example, I'll give you an example. So okay. when I was when I started working with the high school that I'm working okay. with, um, one of the things that was very important to me because I had other choices. There there were other schools that were interested in in hiring me. Uh, I chose this school because not only the kids were from a background that I wanted to kind of be involved with. But because they had five values, uh, living to your potential, to your fullest potential, giving back, uh, community building, and all of this, right? And I thought, wow, that's that's exactly my model. This is exactly how I like to live my life. Perfect. It's a great match for me. Right. Right. Okay, 100%. So that's one of them. Another one is, uh, I always say, just do it. (laughs) You know, just uh, whatever it is that you want to do in your life, just do it. We can all have excuses. We can all all say no, but I'll start Monday. Just do it. The moment you decide, you just do it then, right there and then. Is that what you say to yourself in your head when Every you day, every time. Just like Nike. Yes. Just do it. <laughs> Nike, yes. <laughs> that was great. Yes, Nike. It's the every best day. slogan. They got the best slogan. Yeah. Um, another principle, Michael. Um integrity and authenticity is that a principle it could be right if if it has value to you it (laughs) It has value to me absolutely it's definitely it's one of the principles written in the book by uh, james allen as a man thinketh but it's not just for men it's for people who are interested in personal growth and that's one of his core uh, pillar principles is integrity absolutely Mm, yeah so having integrity and authenticity that's where the real connection comes when it you know, when it comes to other people and unity and everything. So I think having that is so important. And being true to yourself. And being and true to yourself. And I really mm-hmm. didn't know what that meant years right. ago because I... It gets thrown around a lot. It gets thrown yeah. out a lot and you don't know yourself really well. But then when you get a, bit, a little bit older, when you do self-care and self-love and you read books and you interact with more people and you realize, oh, that's what it really means to, to have integrity. That's what it really means to be authentic. We will be right back with 20 Degrees Deeper into the Labyrinth with our leader, Dr. Goli Andy Sheju, after a word from our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, One Education, One World, a Section 501c3 certified nonprofit on a mission to bring quality education to children in the rural parts of the world that do not have access to schools. OEOW gives these children quality education by providing them with an educational space, curriculum, supplies, qualified teachers and leadership in underserved communities. The focus is to inspire hearts and minds of all children while fostering their social, psychological and spiritual well-being. If you'd like to learn more on how to support OEOW and bring quality education to underprivileged children, please visit www.oneeducationoneworld.org forward slash donations. Help us 
make a positive change in our world and our children's lives. Education is the right of every child, even a child far away, living in dire conditions in far-to-reach places. We would like to thank our sponsor, Imagine Collective, your premier experience agency, leading California's central and southern regions in event planning and management, digital and experiential marketing, brand partnerships, and more. Serving all coastal and inland communities from Monterey County down to San Diego County in the great Golden State. One of my favorite things about Imagine Collective is they donate a portion of their proceeds to a trusted charity of your choosing for each service they provide. Contact them today at 323-207-9572 and visit their website for more information at theimaginecollective.com. Mention Leaders Labyrinth and enjoy 20% off your first service. Imagine Collective. Let's collectively imagine how to make our world a better place through the everyday work we do together. We would like to thank our sponsor, Malibu Audubon, a car collective known for its unique events in Southern California. Hosting epic and beautiful scenic group drives in Malibu and producing concerts in LA. But there's a lot more to it than just these events. Beyond its popular line of apparel, Malibu Audubon is well known as a curator for some of today's biggest music videos, TV shows, and other productions, sourcing and handling rare special vehicles for all types of projects. You can learn more and join Malibu Audubon at MalibuAudubon.com or simply visit at Malibu Audubon on Instagram. We're here with Dr. Noble Andy Sheju. This is the segment of the show called 20 Degrees Deeper Into the Labyrinth, where I ask our leader 20 design questions to get to know them better on a mental and spiritual level. First question, how do you start your day? Do you have any morning routines or non-negotiables? And I know you already kind of covered this earlier, but. Uh, yeah, I wake up, I spend maybe about five minutes in my bed, just you know, look at the ceiling, breathe a little, <laughs> and then I I do a little bit of workout. I, I do about 20, 20 to 25 minutes of intense workout at home. I don't go to the gym. I do this in my bedroom. And then I um, have my morning tea. I actually have warm water with, um, with vitamin C. It's really good for you in the morning. And then I have my protein shake. Um, I get ready to go to work. Amazing. <laughs> I like my favorite part is staring at the ceiling. I, sh- I gotta That's try the that. best part. <laughs> <laughs> That's only the best part. <laughs> I got to do that more. Um, yeah. No, thank you. So if I were to ask you this, what is your favorite quality about yourself? I'm kind. I really think that I'm very kind um, and compassionate. Knowing you for two years, I see the kindness and I, I've witnessed it and it comes through in the work that you do and the way that you, uh, you love others. It really Thank does. You. It takes one to know one. Thank you. 
What characteristic do you value in other people? Um, authenticity. And I know I keep going back to this, but um, I don't know, maybe it's because um, of, the, of where we are, this part of the world, but authenticity is refreshing. If you could travel back in time to any era, what time period would you want to live in? I think I would like to live in uh, the 18, 1800s. I think I'd like to, but in Iran, not here. I'd love to go back just to see how the kings lived and what led up to the revolution in Iran and everything. <laughs> I'm interested in that, yeah. Great answer. Thank you. What is a book that had impacted your life or that you would recommend to others? Bookseller of Kabul was one of my favorites. The bookseller uh, in Kabul or of Kabul, Afghanistan. What, what is that book about? This is a book about a lady who takes about six months to live with an Afghani family. And she talks about how women are second class, but she goes into more detail and it feels like you're there experiencing it. And then every day you thank God that you weren't born in, into those circumstances. Very deep. If you could sit on a bench and have a deep discussion with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Mother Teresa. Um, I just wanted to know um, how she could be so selfless in so many ways. Um, and she could 100% just let go of material things because I still, I still enjoy material things. I love to have my shoes and my bags and live a comfortable life. But with her... 100% she was into what she did and helping kids. And I just wanted to just kind of know everything about her. Absolutely. Beautiful answer. And thank you for your honesty. And yes, I'm attached to material things too. Yeah. It's part of being human, mm -hmm. right? And it, it you know, hopefully it's an extension of, of who you are mm -hmm. and how you see yourself. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, what is one of the most important lessons that you learned in a relationship? Hmm. That you shouldn't easily give up. <laughs> what is a powerful piece of knowledge or advice someone gave you that shifted your perception on, your, on yourself or on life? I think a, a few good friends have helped me understand and see my blind side things that I don't see about myself that might have been hurtful to others um, and really just work on that. What is your definition of success and what did it take for you to come to that definition? Being happy where you are. Success looks very different for everybody. It's not in the degree that you earn or the job that you have, but how... Uh, how much happiness it brings to your heart and how how much impact you have on the lives of others. Do you have a daily mantra or a philosophy on life? That we have one life to live. So every moment, um, do what pleases you, I think, um, and what makes you happy, really. 
I mean that in every every way possible. <laughs> Powerful and simple. Yeah, very simple. Yeah. Why do you think we're here as a human species? Hmm. I don't think there's a. And I normally don't share this with anyone, but I don't know if there's a reason. I always thought there was. I hope there is. But if I tell you I'm hundred percent sure there's a reason, no, I don't know. My gut feeling says there's a lot more to this than what meets the eye. But um, I'm hoping we're here because we're supposed to experience growth and just um, be happy, even though life has so many ups and downs and you have moments where you're happy when you're sad and and whatever you're doing with your life that matters you paint a picture for your own life i think there's no one uh right way i i always thought everything was right wrong or right i really did in my 20s i thought no there's a right way to do something i don't think there is everything's just so relative if reincarnation is real what animal would you want to be in your next life? <laughs> I'd like to be an eagle. Why would you like to be an eagle? Uh, you have a keen uh, viewpoint. You're on top of the world. You're powerful. You, you can fly. You can fly. <laughs> yeah. No, great, great <laughs> choice. Yeah, eagle is a great one. What is one quote, because I know you're a fan of quotes, uh, that is your favorite or one that pr resonated with you profoundly? I, I can't remember word by word, but um, let, me, let me try to. Pretty much it's in the lines of when you get yourself an education or get that job that you want, your real job is to empower someone else. Your duty is to... Um, be a helping hand so in a, in a gist that's what it's about <laughs> the quote okay. but I'll find Fantastic. it I can I can find it and actually read it to you yeah let me know oh I'm sure you got thousands of them in I got thousands of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> send them all over yeah um, what is one of the most powerful investments that you've made with no money ah, Michael you're asking very deep questions um, it's 20 degrees deeper in the labyrinth. I know, and it's getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Um, you may not get out. <laughs> <laughs> investments. I think it was a lot of soul searching. Did you do that in your travels? And questioning, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, just rethinking my whole belief system, questioning everything, you know, why we're here, just uh, where do I come from, why do I act the way I do, why am I here, just everything. That takes a lot of courage. Mm, if there was one word that comes to mind that sets your soul on fire, what word would that be? Hope. And we're recording on Hope Street right now. We are recording on Hope <laughs> Street right now. <laughs> Universal alignment. Yeah. If you had a chance to meet your younger self as a child and share a piece of wisdom of what you now know 
to be true in life in your adult years, what piece of wisdom would you give to your younger self? Don't take every moment so seriously. You know, just uh, it passes. Every moment passes you and don't take it so seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just talking to a friend about that earlier today. Like uh, there's a time and a place, you know, to be serious and, you know, but yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. We lose track of of ourselves and trying to you know project too much right instead Mm -hmm. of just enjoying being ourselves and being Mm -hmm. with the people around us um so can you explain now that you've come this far what does the next labyrinth or chapter look like for you okay well um you kind of already mentioned i'd like to become a principal um I'd like to t- take this organization to another level because there's a lot of potential to reach more children. And I'd like to record my experience of meeting these kids. So I'm trying to actually write a book about it. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> when do you think your book's going to be uh, ready to be published? You know, I don't like to set a deadline, but I try to write about maybe three to five pages every day. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. amazing. <laughs> Wow. Can you autograph my book when I get it? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Be worth so much money. Um, Okay. So to our audience and the people listening, how can they take action? How can they get involved and support your cause for One Education, One World? Uh, There's different ways to get involved. You could become one of the voices that advocates for the kids, kind of get the word out. You could be an ambassador such as yourself, right? Uh, You could donate, donate money. You could donate uh, your time, your skills. You can volunteer with us on so many different levels. There are so many different ways to get involved. You just have to know what what it is that you want to do, and then we can guide you into the right direction. Absolutely. And the more people that I share about this mission of One Education One World with it, always just want to get involved like oh like I want to join that team Aww. and uh, because what you're doing is so uh, significant and, and it's uh, bringing so much goodness to the world um, where can they someone submit a donation today if they wanted to do that you would go to the website uh, org forward slash donate <laughs> there you go you got it when you think of a great leader, um, who is the first person that comes to your mind? Um, it could be someone back in like history. Yeah, alive Anyone. or dead. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'm really interested in the story of Gandhi and the way mm. he led everybody. And he did it through inspiration. That's exactly how I'd like to lead. Beautiful answer. Right. And he never did it through conflict or war or anything like that. Just he used his words. And I think words are so powerful. You can use words to make a change. And that's exactly what he did. Wow. Yeah. It's so true. Uh, yeah. Even I forget like how powerful words are. Yeah. And um, uh, Les Brown has a great saying. He says, he says um, uh, communication is one of the most important skills in being successful or like living life the way you want to live it why because as soon as you open your mouth you tell the world who you are um so what does a leader's labyrinth represent to you uh 
it represents a platform where leaders can come together and inspire each other and inspire the rest of the world and learn from one another. That's so that's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> so nice. Okay, this is the part of the show called Messages to Mankind. So it's a hypothetical question I ask all of our leaders. And the question is this. If the whole world had stopped to listen to one message from you, and you're reaching every single human being on the planet, and no matter where they are in the world, they can all understand you, and you get to carry forward one message to all of humanity to help make an impact. What would be your message to mankind? We're all from the same source that uh, at one point in our lives, we have all been innocent children and there's so much good in us and we should empower one another. We should be there for one another, help each other reach our goals. Um, and I think if we can do it this way, the world will be a better place. Brilliant. Dr. Nogo Andy Sheju, I want to honor you for your kindness, for your spirit, and the love that you do to help children all over the world, and for seeing the goodness in the hearts of humanity while taking in the dark side of it as well. You've emerged in this world as an agent of transformation through effective leadership, being a master of education, and showing the world there's a better way to serve our people, regardless of beliefs, race, or country. We are all human and deserve the right of quality education. Because of your vision, the world is brighter and happier with the love you give to these children to lead meaningful and purposeful lives. So thank you for everything that you do and for being with us in the labyrinth today. Michael, it was such a pleasure. Thank you, beautifully said, and um, you just completely made my day. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us in the labyrinth today with our leader, Dr. Goli Andy Sheju. To stay up to date on all the amazing things Dr. Goli Andy Sheju is bringing to the world, you may follow her nonprofit organization, OEOW, on Instagram at One Education One World, or simply visit OneEducationOneWorld.org to learn more about Dr. Andy Sheju's mission on building new schools and bringing quality education to the rural parts of the world to transform the lives of children without access to education. May we all remember the power we possess to create a positive change, for the ripple effects of one small act of kindness can create tidal waves of transformation in people's lives. One small gesture can create a smile, and one small smile can open one's heart. For kindness is essential to the nourishment of one's soul and is a signature of the strong. Awaken the leader within and remember to ignite your lights.